Welcome to another podcast by Guns and Yellow Ribbons. It's the only Arsenal podcast that counts. By Arsenal fans, for Arsenal fans. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Guns and Yellow Ribbons. I'm your host, Fergus. Um, we are going to talk about uh, a few things leading up to Community Shield, the start of the new season, a bit about the transfer window. Uh, the breaking news that we gave you last week um, about Raul Sanyehi. Uh, talk about Gabriel Bamiyang and just general transfer window stuff. We are uh, joined by um, our good friend, old man Trev. Um, Trev, how are you? New camera? Hello, mate. Yeah, new camera, big head. Look at the size of my head. Yeah, I'm good, thanks, mate. <laughs> Very good indeed. Looking forward to doing this and having a chat with the boys. So, uh, and, yeah. And liking the, new, liking the new shirt as well. Mate, I'm a red and white and yellow and blue man, but we're not going to get to choose, so we get what we're given, and I'm wearing it because I like it. So there you go. And it's a real one. <laughs> I just, I'll, I'll just ignore that um, little dig with my Wuhan shirt. <laughs> Somebody who is in yellow for Guns and Yellow Ribbons, Potsy, how are you? Yeah, good cheers, boys. It is good to see you with the new kits on, I must admit. I've got the new home one, as you saw last time, but I thought I'd wear yellow for guns and yellow ribbons today. But thanks for having me on, mate. Good to see you as no always. We haven't been seeing a lot of you. You've not been putting yourself out there for the last few weeks. Yeah, a little bit of a break, mate. A little bit of a break. Uh, it doesn't feel like we've had one, does it? Because football's back already on Saturday. But uh, I tried to stay off of all platforms and stuff, but it's quite hard to do sometimes because you just love talking about the Arsenal. So, But I'm back today, mate, so it's all good. And we're joined from the other side of the pond by Mike Feinberg. Mike is from the Guna podcast, and he's been good enough to join us on, on this podcast. Mike, do you want to introduce yourself and explain what this um, www.gunasvcancer.com uh, uh, Absolutely. Fergus, thanks for having me on. It's good to see you, Dan. And, and Trev, I was brought on, actually. It's not about the charity. It's about making your head look smaller in comparison. Um, so, uh, and, and you are wearing red and white, white, so I don't really know. It's just reversed. So I don't know what the issue is there. Um, yes, uh, we do a podcast called the Gooners podcast, but much more important than that to anyone who's listening is, uh, is a charity that we run this time of year, uh, to raise money for cancer prevention, cancer cure and supporting families with blood cancer is called Gooners versus cancer. And it started from my desire to do something to kind of recognize and, memorialized my father who passed away from leukemia about 10 years ago. And it's grown into this arsenal related, uh, generous gooner related charity. The last few years, it's really joined and, and, uh, and, and brought a lot of people together. And, and we'll be talking about a little bit later on how you can get involved, uh, the fun ways that you can donate and actually win things or get things or do things that are going to be enjoyable. So, uh, we'll sprinkle that in a little bit later, but Fergus, it's great to be on and, Dan and Trev, always good to see you. Let's talk some Arsenal. Let's talk talk some Arsenal. That, that's what people want to hear. They want to hear somebody with a Yank accent go, let's talk some Arsenal. <laughs> can, we talk, can we talk some soccer school? Yeah, yeah. So, I, I can't wait to get into the soccer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear, this is going to be fun, isn't I it? I hope this, this pod doesn't go to PKs. <laughs> um, <laughs> you lost me on that one. Um, the Community Shield. Penalty kicks. Penalty kicks. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm with you, Mike. I'm with you. <laughs> the Community Shield. Um, Dan touched on it. That is coming up on Saturday. Arsenal uh, play uh, Liverpool in the Community Shield. The champions of the league play the FA Cup winners. Um, 
<laughs> what I was thinking, is it a little bit early? Trev, we talked about this briefly. Is this a little bit early, considering it's another two weeks before the season starts? Um, this this date of the 29th of August was type of put as a in, in cement at the project restart without even considering when the actual season was going to restart. The Community Shield has type in place. What, what, what's your thoughts on it, Trev? I can't wake it, work out why they haven't it, to be honest with you, Fergus. Everything else has been restructured, the league, the Cups, Europe's all been restructured, and we're all saying that the players are going to be really tired. And you can, you can for once, you could understand that because they're having next to no break. But they're still going to play the Charity Shield. Why? I, I can't. It should have just been done away with for the year, you know. And uh, let's give the players another week off and uh, get into the season proper. I don't know why on earth they're playing it, mate. The only thing I can think of is it's a normal case and somehow telly are in control or money's in control. Because I bet you half the play, most of the players that are going to be there will not want to be on that field for the charity shield on Saturday night. And as a protest, I ain't going to watch it. TV companies, you can stick it. I ain't watching it. Done. There you go, Fergus. Fine. One man protest. That's it. BT are going to uh, issue a shares warning uh, to the stock exchange <laughs> on Friday. Trevor hasn't watched the charity shield or community. No, shield. that's it. It's all over. They, they'll go out of business, I reckon. They're done. <laughs> uh, Dan, um, on this, if, if say, uh, Manchester United had uh, won the FA Cup, which could have been possible. They got knocked out in the semi-finals. Uh, they got uh, quite a way in Europe, um, and uh, Man City got quite a way in Europe. And you know the, these teams, the Manchester teams, have been able to delay their season by one week. Uh, would they have cancelled the Community Shield? Do you think if one of them had got through? That's yeah, a great question, actually. Maybe they would have. I mean, I don't know. I think Trev is spot on with the TV stuff. I think that always wins. And Manchester City or Manchester United would have just played the kind of third or fourth team or that would probably beat Arsenal's first team anyway. But uh, I think that that was probably what would have happened. I think with this comp- with this actual competition, I mean, it's hardly a competition as it's one game. I think it's all about confidence going into the season, isn't it? You know, if Arsenal do badge to beat Liverpool, then it gives us that little bit of a confidence boost. And if Liverpool do what they're expected to do, which is uh, which is beat us, then they can go into their uh, league campaign with a win behind their belt, uh, going into their run of consistency, which I believe will happen. So I think it's all about confidence this game. I think what's interesting is what, Arteta is going to do with a very limited options that he's got. Everyone's got really because everyone's still knackered and recovering from only a few weeks ago when we lifted that trophy. So it's going to be interesting to see what team we put out. Well, they're, he- they're heavily rotated against uh, NK Dons in the second half. Uh, the NK Dons uh, midweek. Um, uh, Mike, will will the TV companies in America uh, show the Community Shield? Oh, absolutely. We, we unlike uh, over there, we show everything. Um, and by the way, I show everything. I just have a secret website for that. But um, yeah, they'll, they'll show it. Unlike Trev, I'll be watching it uh, because I support my club. No, I'm, sorry, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I, I, I've got no issues with that. Was a joke. I've got no issues with them playing it. I mean, look, they, they unlike other sports leagues uh, here uh, and and around the world, ultimately football has been able to maintain its. Uh, its structure whilst making some changes to it that prevent unnecessary, truly unnecessary extra games for clubs, such as replays in the cup competitions, um, even replays in the European competitions to finish them up for this season. So um, I think they've taken steps there that don't 
really denigrate the uh, legitimacy of the competition. That said, the, 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 there's nothing more important than charity and community. And so you have to play this shield. Um, I, I, I think it's a, it's a tradition. I think it, it needed to be played as for when. It's normally a week before the season starts. It's two weeks yeah. before because they're uh, dealing with a compressed international schedule. And while they still seem to be keen on playing international games, they're now doing that in between the, the charity shield and the first game rather than interrupting the, the, the season one, you know, two games into the season to play a, a, a you know, a week long break. The, so. the international break was, was uh, set for that, for that week in September anyway. But well, uh, I think that may be why this game was set for the, yeah, for the previous yeah, week. So quite possibly, but th- to be honest, the international games, I believe are friendly. So they should have been just scrapped anyway. Uh, well, and, you know, and that's, that's the better argument to me. I mean, I, well, although that doesn't involve, that involves a lot more than just players on two squads. Um, you know, there could be set, if these are friendlies rather than, than, you know, qualifiers for a, a, a competition, then I really see no reason why they had to be held anyway. It's, all it was, was an. Um, Dan, but uh, uh, did we have we have we lost you, Mike? Sorry, you froze there for a second. No, I didn't. I didn't know that. No, I'm here. Okay, no, no, no. Yeah, but it, as you were saying, if if they are friendlies, it seems a bit pointless for the international games to be going ahead, and then and it's our best chance to beat Liverpool this season, I believe. So we ought to play it. Yeah, fine. Um, the FA Cup and the League Cup and some of the European pre-qualifying and some of the European games have been uh, restructured. The FA Cup and League Cup, Dan, no uh, replays. Is that a good thing? You know, you, th- you think if you're late in Orient and, you know, you draw Arsenal or you draw Manchester United or a team like that, and I, I don't know how it works with gate receipts now because there's no attendance and crowds not turning up. What, what's your thoughts on no replays in the League Cup? I, I don't think there's been replays for a while. Um, for for the uh, the FA Cup, yeah, I think I, I don't know. It's a bit of a tradition, third round replay, isn't it? Totally with you, mate. I think it's disgraceful. But um, you look at a team like Yeovil or a team like Barnet that, you know, get a nice replay up at Old Trafford or the Emirates and that's no longer going to happen. You know, it goes to penalties at their place. I just think that's just just disgusting because that's part of what the traditional competition was. It's why everybody loved an FA Cup, you know. We've seen over the years Arsenal play Farnborough and people like that. Imagine if they would have got a 1-1 and come to the Emirates. That would have made the whole of their year and kept them up for a season or given them the all got them out of debt for that year whatever it be and I know you mentioned gate receipts we don't know what's going to happen but certainly for TV money that that would have been something that everyone's going to be now missing out on so I'm not a fan of this I've always been a fan of the FA competition from start uh, FA Cup sorry from start to finish so without replays I'm not a fan of it personally. I'd rather them keep to it but I suppose they've got to condense this season down somehow I'd rather get rid of the League Cup and just play the FA Cup replays because the League Cup, everyone says, is the pointless cup. And, you know, it is good if you win it because you get into Europe, but otherwise it just gets in the way, really, and gives a chance for the kids to have a go. I'd rather get rid of that one and go for the FA Cup with replays. That's the way I'd do it. Right, Trev, what about if you changed the League Cup for this season and just made it that it had to be an under-23 for Premier League sides and that, um, you know, the other, the other clubs, because... 
they depend on the revenue and hopefully getting to play the big boys, maybe a bit of TV money, etc. Would that would that be a solution? To, so it would help the Premier League and maybe even the Championship. I don't know what level you draw the line at, but it would help the the, the truncated season that we've got now and also give um, an opportunity for younger players to get a run out against decent opposition. Well, the League Cup has basically become like an under-23 cup in the last few years, isn't it? You know, there's not many teams that have put their strongest side out from the from the top division in particular. I, I'm with Dan all the way about the FA Cup. The, 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 the FA Cup's all about the drama and and the passion and and the chance that a little team's going to beat a big team, you know. And, and, and I think if a little team's going to beat a big team and it takes a replay, they should still have that opportunity to do that. Absolutely, they should have binned off the League Cup if it meant keeping replays in the FA Cup. Um, it's it's very much devalued it for me the FA Cup very much devalued it and 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 it makes you wonder you know if they, if any smaller sides might go out of business this year because they because they might miss the, the opportunity of having a a big payday don't forget one FA Cup replay to a fourth division side probably secures them for six seasons you know what I mean it's, mm. it's a massive thing for them to have that opportunity and we've taken it away. And I don't agree with it, but uh, we ain't going to change it. So, you know, we live with it. Does Does anybody know what will happen in, say, the FA Cup? And I don't know if it works the same in the League Cup, but in the FA Cup, where if a minnow does come to a big side, they would have got 50% of the gate receipts. Um, there is going to be little or no gate, at least yeah. in October. So does the big club sub- subsidise the little club? There's an easy way to do that. Um, I mean, you, changing the competition to make less games is is kind of necessary in this environment. And and I'm assuming that the change with the FA Cup, unlike the uh, the EFL Cup, is, is the League Cup is is going to be for this season only. I'm hoping that's the case because I otherwise I agree with everything you're saying about denigrating the competition. Look, things are changed for this particular season, and they have to be. So this is one area I think that they've got to do. That doesn't mean that they can't work out from a football league standpoint and a Premier League standpoint, work together to support these smaller clubs because without an FA Cup replay, they're still suffering because of the COVID situation altogether. I mean, League One and League Two cut off their seasons. They didn't go back and finish them. Uh, yeah. So they're already you know, dealing with that. Their TV money, of course, is not is not significant, if even at all, in the first place. So you know, I know it's not a, 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 a popular thing, but – there should be things that are being worked on right now for the clubs who are massively rich to be subsidizing those clubs that are just barely holding on as a result of this crisis in the beginning. So, you know, if Manchester United uh, or Arsenal or Chelsea draw a Barnet or a you know a, a Northampton Town or some you know some lower division, they should there should be a financial arrangement already that kind of subsidizes the possibility that in a replay and helps those teams through a little bit. Um, and and that doesn't have to be done only through a replay of an FA Cup draw. It, it could be done proactively without the result of the game coming into, mm. into question. And, uh, you know, and I, that would be my solution rather than have the potential for these clubs to have a few more games and, and, and a few more television appearances. So that's my view. And as far as eliminating the League Cup, in a perfect world, that works because of what the importance of the League Cup is. But I would bet that Carabao would not be too happy about that. No, I bet not. No, no. That's what, well, the, the money that's involved in that in that competition is 
is is pittance. I suppose it is, but, but they've still spent it on a on a product that they wouldn't be getting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I agree. I agree. I suppose what you're suggesting about like the big clubs supporting the small clubs is a bit like what happens with Barcelona and Real Madrid, say, with the rest of the Spanish league. Not. Um <laughs> yeah, no, it's the opposite of that. Yeah. Um Champions League though, uh Coutinho uh for Bayern Munich scores a, a fantastic goal. Serge Gnabry, uh, a former Arsenal player, um, all over Twitter. Uh, even even the gerbil on Twitter was uh, moaning about uh, uh, Gnabry and being sold on um, for a pittance. And Wenger is this, and Wenger is that. I listen. Serge Gnabry was a, a good player. I'll give you my my two pence on it, and then I'd be interested to hear what you guys think. But um, my two pence of it is. Serge Gnabry was a decent enough player, a young prospect. He looked really well at Arsenal. He went out on loan to Tony Pulis. I think it was at West Brom at the time. Um, his attitude stunk. Pulis's attitude probably stunk as well, known to oh, Pulis. Yeah, um, no but they just didn't. They didn't see eye to eye. It didn't work. He came back to Arsenal. Um, he had a year left on his contract. He didn't look like he was going to sign anything. We got five million for him. End off. It happens. He's turned out to be a fantastic player in, in, in Germany, a different type of league. He's played in European football, again, completely different to the Premier League, hence why it takes so long for uh, English player, English teams to try and win that competition. So skewed uh, towards the Italian and Spanish and German sides. Um, what, what, what do you think, Dan? Because I know you, you, you mentioned uh, a couple of things to me and you pointed out um, the gerbil's um, tweet as well to me. <laughs> The gerbil. Uh, what, what, yeah. is, what did the gerbil say about Gnabry? I don't remember. I can't that. remember. The gerbil seems to know a lot, though. It is. Yeah, I'm, I've been impressed with him thus far. <laughs> mostly because mostly because he's he he, he acts like an asshole uh, half the time, and I love that. <laughs> I wonder. This is true. I think when you look at the players around him at the time. I'm a little disappointed that he didn't get given more of a chance at the club because we had Alexis Sanchez on one side and then we had Joel Campbell and Theo Walcott on the other. And for me, you look at the three now and there's no comparison. And I just think that it was always there with Gnabry. There was always something in him. In 2014, he scored against Swansea, was one of our best players at that ground. Uh, and then it was kind of like Wenger went back to the other players that we, he had his favourites for. Theo Walcott was one of those. And I think that... Arsene Wenger didn't want to give him a chance and we've got to put blame at his feet for doing so because I think that you look at him now and he is absolutely killing it out there. Yes, he's got better players around him, but he is one of their better players. And in that front three, he looks absolute rapid. He looks confident. He drives forward. He knows where the goal is. And if he doesn't know where the goal is, he knows where to give, where to give it to. And that's to Lewandowski to put it in. I think the player's got massive bouts of potential and still could get better and better. And I just think it's a shame because I look at Joel Campbell and Theo Walcott now and think, yeah, we messed up. Mm. Uh, I, I get the thing about favourites and so on, but it is, it's a bit about the player's attitude, Trevor. It, it's a bit about like the player's attitude and their uh, their application to the game. And then also a bit about the man and man, man management of thing. And I somehow don't think Wenger was an arm around the shoulder type of guy, uh, a very intelligent man and everything else. And I still admire the guy. Uh, yes, he's gone. Fine. But um I don't know. Do you, do you think it's down more to aptitude or attitude? Well, we can only speculate, mate, can't we? But uh, 
Dan's writing what he says. You could see when 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 Gnabry did not Gnabry, by the way, Fergus. When when Gnabry <laughs> did play, right? When Gnabry did play, he, he played well, and you could see an improving young player at the Arsenal. You could see him improving, and you could see him getting better. And then suddenly he was out of favour, and he was gone. So you could only think, you know, we're only speculating, but it can only have been down to. The, his attitude, because he certainly you could see that he was a skillful young man, and and he and he played well for the Arsenal, and he was developing. So it must have been down to the attitude, and he's certainly come on in leaps and bounds in Germany, as we've already said, and uh, proving what a very good player we lost. But who knows? It's it's in the past now. That's I'm not too bothered about Gnabry or Gnabry or Growler or whatever you want to call him. And, uh, <laughs> And I'm more interested about what we're doing now, to be honest. But, uh, yeah, it must have been something to do with his attitude. Maybe well, just even Wenger didn't get on, you know, and that's it. Keep in mind, at the time, we were still basically every six to 12 months selling on our best players to other teams. And, um, you know, w- we don't know. My speculation is that, you know, that he may have felt, and he's been proven right, but he may have felt at the time that he was too big to be spending his time you know, having to fight to get onto the pitch and deal with people like Tony Pulis. I mean, he 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 may have felt that way, and he probably was right to feel that way, given the talent that we're clearly seeing from him now. But um, it, you know, it, it, that it, kind of dynamic—if he's—if he's feeling like he's being held back, his attitude and his dedication to practice and whatever Tony Pulis, as much of an as a bell end as that guy is. Um, you know, he. <laughs> the reason that they didn't get on must must have been based on his work ethic and that sort of thing. And and you know, when you're when you're naturally good at something, but you don't feel like you're being recognized for it, it tends to come out in your attitude. And well, so he pushed and pushed and finally got moved on to Werder Bremen in a in a sham move. He was basically being sold to to Bayern uh, Munich. But I, I, enough of the people who are just you know, acting as though we completely didn't see his talent and sold him on and got completely screwed out of it. We didn't. He wasn't re-signing with us. For whatever reason, we didn't coddle him like the young superstar that he turned out to be. That happens. Yeah. Uh, us to Genk, but Genk sold on, you know, uh, Kevin De Bruyne to Chelsea originally for about six million pounds. Um, I, I hope that we're not considered in, in, in line with gank, but just those things happen and things and, and people bloom later or, or finally get into an environment that provides them the proper support with no one in front of them holding them back. And that's what happened with Serge. Good for him. Couple of th- a couple of things. Uh, firstly, um, it would be interesting if Jordan, Jordan Sancho does make it over to the, the Premier League to see how... Jaden? How- J- or, or his brother Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Sancho. I'm, jo- okay. I'm joining the I'm joining the Trev uh, yeah. bandwagon of just yeah, yeah, plating you for everything you say. <laughs> um, it, when Sancho, if he makes it to the UK and makes it to the Premier League, to see how well he he holds up in the league, I'm sure he'll rip it apart. But it might show the difference between the German league and and the Premier League. It's a it's a much tougher. That's what I thought would happen to Pulisic, and I was dead wrong about that. That is I'll true. Say. That is that is a good point. The I other point that was too much too soon for him, and it, it's clearly not been that. That the, the other point I was going to make, Mike. I'm super impressed how you got your bell end 
into the, 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 the into the podcast, uh, Look, which man, you use for your own podcast. I, I carry it around in my personal life. It's not just for the fun. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, do you want to do another little bit on on your uh, Gunas versus Cancer, and then we'll go. Yeah, into the thank next you. Yeah. And, and it's good to talk about this with Gnabry because if I was playing FIFA right now uh, on the PS4 or the Xbox, I would certainly want to uh, to have him on my ultimate team. But And I'm showing off knowledge I don't have. My son is the FIFA player in our house. But I bring up FIFA because uh, Gunners versus Cancer is sponsoring a fundraising tournament uh, for FIFA 20. And there's one for the Xbox platform. There's one for the PS4 platform. As I understand, there's there's not many people who think that the one that they don't have is any good. Uh, there's this big rivalry for some reason. So we're running champions league tournaments for each platform where there's a $20. It'll probably work out to about 15 pounds. If you're in the UK um, entry fee donation to the leukemia and lymphoma society, which is our, the charity that, that Gunners versus cancer supports. So you pay that you get entered. You're going to get to play a bunch of games, group stage, then elimination stage just like a champions league and no matter whether you win or not you're entered into a uh provide one lucky winner with a uh arsenal home top signed by the entire first team uh which i think yeah 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 it's not it's not it's good it's not gonna look like like ferguson's it'll (laughs) probably look more like the home version of of trev's um, but, uh, you know, that's something that you'd obviously like to like to hang on your wall or if you're absolutely nuts, wear it. Um, but, uh, but that's going to be auctioned to everybody who participates. Uh, you'll be entered into that auction. The winner of the tournament itself is going to get a copy of next year's FIFA, which I think comes out in October, uh, whatever the highest level is the ultimate edition. And, uh, and it's just fun. It's, it's kind of an example of how, our charity is attempting to raise as much money as we can for the for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, but do it in a way where you get something out of uh, donating other than just the feeling of, of being charitable. Now, uh, assuming that this is uh, being heard in the, the Thursday, Friday timeframe of this week, you've got to hurry up because the uh, registrations close on Friday evening um, and uh, the tournament's going to start on Sunday. It's going to be taking place between the the community charity shield. I'm calling it the charity shield because I'm very charitable minded right now. Um, the charity shield and our first game, uh, the the tournament will be over. So, uh, so you got to register. And for the links to register, go to uh, follow the Gooners Pod on Twitter uh, at the Gooners Pod, and you can find the links there and join up. Brilliant, thank you, Trevor. Uh, we discussed last week uh, the departure of um, our what was he, head of football, I think it was his title, uh, Raul Sanieli, uh, when he said that there was a possible rumour of this happening. Dan, you'll recall it as well, uh, when we had our chat last week. Um, and we were right. We were we were even ahead of the gerbil. The gerbil came out on uh, on Twitter afterwards and, and announced that um, ahead of Moley uh, and ahead of, ahead of the Athletic, we're ahead of everybody, Trev. So <laughs> That's because we're quality, Fergus. We're quality, son. No, yeah, we just, I, why don't, why just, don't you guys work out a, a, a an animal like the wombat or something? The the, the Arsenal oh, wombat. I love the wombats. Wombats. The Arsenal awesome. wombat has been just dormant. And Fergus, I think you. Uh, I can't. That would have to be. That would have to be Max down in in Melbourne, wouldn't it? The wombats. 
Yeah. That, but that, right. that would be that would be over 18 only. Sorry, Trevor, you were saying. No, you're a new Twitter feed lined up then. The Wombat Talks. But um, where were we? were we? Oh, yeah, well, Sunlight, who knows what goes on, right? But the one thing it did to me looking in, it looked too crowded in that line, that management line, that chain looked crowded. It looked a bit top-heavy. And I just think that with Sunlight, with, with Raul gone now, that's easier. Right. Uh, what's his name? What's the top lad's name? Vinay. Vinay, yeah, you dodgy. Vinay, Edu, Arteta. Run, runs off the tongue easy. You can see a line of support. You can see a chain there. And you can see how the process would go on. So, yeah, mm. I think it's good. I like what we're doing. Um, I, think, I think, you know, we're going to be all right. I, I, I just... I just really feel comfortable at the moment with, with what Arsenal are doing. I've I've not got a lot to be upset about, and that's nice. That's good. Confidence in your clubs. Dan, what, what did you make of the um hush hush we didn't we we told you first? Um breaking news on guns and yellow ribbons, plus the subsequent fallout then on on uh, Twitter and the media and everything else. And and are you happy with what's happened? Yeah, I'm very happy with what's happened because I think we're in a better position. Honestly, I believe our board, you've either got, they're either dinosaurs or they're clueless, you know, and I've, no disrespect to Ken Fryer and, you know, um, Lord Harris of Beckham. I always forget Del Boy whenever I say his name. Uh, <laughs> and obviously some of the others, we've got, <laughs> we've got Chips Keswick that's gone. Uh, so for me, it needs freshening up now, and I'd like to see Arsenal men uh, recruited onto that board. But as it stands, with Arteta and Edu in charge of what we think is all footballing relations, so transfer activity recruitment, th- that to me is healthier than it is with Raul. Just for the pure fact that Raul, we know, was in bed with his super agents. I believe that Edu is a massive part still with why Willian came to Arsenal. We're led to believe that Gabriel was extremely impressed with both Edu and Arteta. So if he can continue uh, as a partnership with Edu and Arteta, if they can uh, continue to do that with the recruitment, I'll be more than happy with that because the way I see it, without Raul, we are in a better state of mind. That's the way I see it. That um, Kia, whatever his name is, the the, the super agent. yeah. Yeah, he was very close to Raul, um, but I think he must be close to Edu and some of the others as well, because Willian and David Luiz and Peter Cech, and there's a lot of players that he's got into our club over the last few years. So, you know, uh, I don't know if that's uh, that link to the Kia is is de- dead and buried at this stage, especially with a super agent that he, that he is. So. It, it's not. I mean, it, that still exists with 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 Adu. Yeah, yeah. Um, one you said um, Arsenal people uh, in in on the board and 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 part of the structure. I thought I, I agree. I, I like people, and I, one of the reasons why I like uh, Mikel Arteta is he gets Arsenal. He gets he knows what we are about. Edu knows what we're about. He's been there through uh, some of the huge years that we were involved in, in in the Premier League and the Champions League. He was there with our longest standing manager. He gets the history. He gets the philosophy. He was there before the Cronkies were there as well, which makes a big difference as well. So he understands what what's what, what's made. But one guy who's gone um, was a little bit strange. Uh, Dan, you can come in on this one. Freddie, what, what was your thoughts on mm. Freddie? 
Yeah, it's a shame. It is a big shame because uh, Freddie's an Arsenal legend as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely loved him as a player. I think he's been great around the club. Took us on for the first few weeks before we appointed Mikel Arteta. Really strange. I can only think that he wants to go on to bigger and better things. There is a lot of rumours that I've heard that a lot of Swedish clubs want Freddie Lundberg as their head coach. I don't know how true that is. No idea. Um, But there is a lot of rumours that Mr. DB10 is on his way to replace Freddie Lundberg. So if that's going to happen, I shall soon forget about the uh, departure of Freddie and welcome Dennis Bergkamp to Arsenal. How do you replace a legend, but but to replace him with a larger Yeah, exactly. Re- replace him with a bigger legend, yeah. Mike, had, had you heard anything in, in uh, with your links to, to Arsenal um, about possible fractions between... Uh, our personality clashes between Mikel Arteta and, and Freddie Lundberg. The reason I ask that, I was with um, uh, a coach of another Premier League football team on Sunday, or an assistant coach of an, an, another Premier League uh, team on Sunday, having a beer. And I said to him, oh, what you make of Freddie leaving? And he says, mm, didn't really like the guy. His attitude stunk. Um, and I said, oh, really? He said, yeah. He, and a lot of people didn't get along with him. So I, I, what do you know? Do you know anything of it? Well, you know, I, I have met Freddie a few times, but I, I wouldn't claim to be an expert on his personality. I, I, my, my takeaway from him leaving was, is that, uh, you know, this may be more of a, a, a reduction in the uh, of, of, our, of our organization. I, I don't think he was ready to leave. So let me just get that on the record. I think, I, I, yeah. you know, as Arsenal always do, even when it comes to things like Raul, uh, you know, there's a there's a kissy kissy lovey lovey type of departure, and it's always it's always the decision of the person who left, and and this possible that it's always the decision of people who left. Um, Raul left because of COVID. Uh, that was an excuse. That was bullshit. Sorry, uh, that was bollocks. Um, and uh, so, so I, I, you know, I know I'm rambling a little bit, but Lungberg, I don't think left to pursue other options. I think he might, this might be one of the things where he was pushed, uh, into something that ultimately will be best for him. Um, he doesn't have a, a job in Sweden. So all the teams that are interested in him could have made him a job offer a long time ago, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he just got comfortable and, you know, and after being briefly, you know, the the main person, knowing that that was a transitionary job, and then going back to being kind of a a second or third tier person is is not really where you want to be. When I would see Mikel Arteta consulting with his staff on the side of the pitch during games, it wasn't Freddie. So, what was his role exactly? I don't know. I don't know. Do you think, Trev, that um, maybe Freddie? Just felt a little bit sore that he didn't get the job. What did you make of his his brief <laughs> after the performance? I don't think he should. But <laughs> that's what I was going to say. That like, what did you make of his brief uh, Trev uh, time in charge? Fergus, I expected Freddie to leave. I expected okay. Freddie to leave because when a new manager like Arteta comes in, he brings his own team in. So people like Freddie, natural course of football, they either disappear right back. That into the into the background, and you don't see much of them, or they leave. Now, Freddie wasn't going to disappear back into the background, and I expected him to be gone. Um, Freddie Lundberg, for me, right, is one of the bravest men I know. Recently, my opinion of him has changed greatly because if you looked at the interviews, at one time there were three interviews on the Arsenal website from Arteta last week, 
explaining about how we found a club, what condition it was in, what position it was in, how bad the relationships with the players were when when Miss when Emery left, and Freddie Lundberg stepped into the fold, knowing all that. So he probably knew he was on a loser. He probably knew he was on a loser, but he still stepped in and he saw them few games through and we all really wanted him to do well, really do well, and he didn't, right? He didn't. But he had no chance. He had no chance because the club was in a mess. He needed someone a bit more experienced than than, than Freddie. And although Arteta's never had a management position before, he has had the experience in the Premier League and a lot of it, right? So... I'm, I expected Freddie to go. Am I sad to see Freddie go? Of course I'm sad to see Freddie go. Freddie is one of the icons of a certain era of our club. Yeah? Regardless of what you think of him, it's sad to see him go. But I expect to see him go. I told someone said to me this week on social media, I should celebrate him going. Why would I celebrate him going? I know it's the right thing for him to go. I accept he's going to go, but I'm not celebrating it. I don't I want to see an icon leave our club. And then I asked, then I just said, um, it'd be nice if the Arsenal brought him back and give us fans when we're allowed the right, a little opportunity to say goodbye to Freddie, right? Because, not because of what Freddie's done, but because Freddie, as I just said, is an icon. And when he leaves the club, we sh- I should have a right to stand up where I stand and give him a chap and a clear, a, a chap, a clap and a cheer, a chap and a clear, listen to me, a clap and a cheer and say thank you very much, you know. We're not going to give him any more money. He's done. But sad. I, I am sad, regardless. Freddie was a brave man. Freddie's a good man. And I wish him all the very best. But it is the right thing in going, I think. He don't want to disappear back in the background. There, you asked me and I've told you some. <laughs> um, other things to, to look at, I suppose, uh, is the league, um, the, the transfer window. Um, we've got the transfer window coming up. Um there's a lot of talk about um, a Gabriel. That is a done deal. Uh, Dan, I know that you... Um, sorry, I'm up, there's something gone wrong with my screen on here, so that's why I'm floundering a little bit. Um, Dan, you, you were talking about the Gabriel deal, and you and I both believe that... Oh, I think nearly most of the people in the country believe that the deal is done. Uh, what do you know of the player? I know that he's a very exciting prospect, uh, 22 years old, Brazilian, left-footed centre-half, tall, I think he's six foot three, with pace, power, very strong, great aerial ability, very comfortable on the ball. Uh, all the attributes you look for in a centre-half and one that I think will be very, very good signing for Arsenal if he's given time to settle in. I think centre-back is a position we obviously need to strengthen and we seem to have about nine of them now all listed, but only kind of four of them really are interested in staying at the club, in my opinion, past this season and longer because we've got William Saliba at six foot four, who I thought looked very comfortable on the ball in the pre-season game the other night, uh, along with Gabriel. And I'm not so sure that Arteta will trust them both to start and play together, which is why I think David Luiz is obviously there for that extra year. Uh, Pablo Marie, the jury's still out because of uh, only a couple of games he had before the injury, but he's six foot four, commanding, very comfortable on the ball. As for the others, I think they'll probably one by one be looked to be going. But as for Gabriel, I think that it's to be a very good signing. Um, I expect the window to go fairly quiet now because of his signature, because I really don't think we've got the funds. I think if we want to buy anyone now, we're going to have to sell first. And in terms of incomings, I think it's going to go very quiet. One thing that does frustrate me, Fergus, is 
Apparently, Aubameyang signed this contract and Gabriel signed for Arsenal, but we would be none the wiser if we had no social media or any contacts because at the moment, Chelsea have just signed Malang Saar, by the way, in the last hour on a free transfer. They signed Ben Chilwell yesterday. Kai Havertz is on his way. They've got Timo Werner and Zayec in. They've got five players and we can't even get our main striker to sign a contract for it to be announced. Unbelievable. Agreed. Agreed, but Chelsea had a, a. They haven't bought a player in two years for bans and various reasons. They didn't buy in January. They're just. No, they're happening it. quickly. I think is what Dan yeah, said. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I, get, I, I get. I get that, and I agree. I agree. Um, what do you know of Gabriel? Then, uh, Mike, do you know much of him? Have you seen him play? I. I know nothing of him other than the the mass hysteria about him being a great young promising player, and that we've apparently got him in a very. I'm excited about it. I think, you know, the mention of David Luiz, you know, for all of David Luiz's faults, and he has many, and he may have cost us directly many points last season. So maybe we got to come sixth instead of eighth. Uh, You know, (laughs) David Luiz is clearly a respected player. He's one that I believe probably had a lot to do with Gabriel choosing us, knowing that he would have a to learn from him, play alongside him, learn from him off the pitch. Um, and, you know, between Louise and Arteta and Adu, the project, if you believe what you're seeing in the media, uh, really excited him more than a little extra money excited him. So, you know, I, I like everything I hear about David Louise with the exception of, when I, of what I see. <laughs> but, but what I hear about him, um, it certainly is, is, is great. Um, I'm excited okay. about it. And our, oh, I'm almost oh, as excited yeah. to start seeing the center backs leave now. Uh, you know the excess ones, the Socrates. Yeah. Um, I think it, as long as he's holding some value, we need to take advantage of that. Um, Louise is obviously a a, a, a chain, you know, a, a bridge. But Pablo Marie, I was impressed with what I saw from him, and and if he's our third or fourth or fifth choice, that's Marie being the end of. I'd be very comfortable with. Uh, hmm. Him being our second choice, not so comfortable with, but we've not got that anymore. But prepare for the moaning in September for when David Luiz is still starting games and one of those two new uh, new new boys are still sitting on the bench. But I think that that moaning is misplaced. That or no, I agree. I agree because uh, David Luiz, as much as we do criticise him, and he, as I've said many a time, he's a two out of ten or a ten out of ten player uh, yep. playing the three in the back. And uh, since um, lockdown, our project restart um, uh, happened, he was vastly, vastly improved. Trevor, I do want to um, come back to a comment that Dan said about um, on, about the transfer window being done because we have to sell players before we buy them. I I could not disagree with that sentiment more all due respect Dan. i hope your sister doesn't hate me over this but uh this i I would agree that we need to know and plan sales to make sure that the books are balanced to the and the wage bill again this trend of being a a, just a a number that we are going to spend net over the summer is, is is uh because it's all about the wage bill and as we know transfer fees get spread over the length of the contract from an accounting standpoint anyway. So it's about this going to the wage bill. It's not about this being available to spend. Uh, But secondly, I mean, sell players before you buy them implies that you are having to raise cash to physically use in a purchase. Um, And 
we've got hundreds of millions of pounds in the bank, much less being backed by an owner who uh, has never, you know, put money into the club, but has million billions and billions of dollars. So if we want Thomas Partey and he's that good of a player and we see him as being worth 45 to 50 million pounds, which is apparently his release clause that no one else has triggered, by the way, for this once one and a one of a kind player, um, we could do that now knowing that we are planning on raising 30 or 40 million by selling holding Socrates, uh, Lacazette, maybe Guendouzi. I mean, it, it, it may mar- uh, bargaining position to get the maximum price for those people because teams might know that we have to sell. But when have we ever been in a good bargaining position on any side of the market whatsoever? No. Um, so I think uh, you know, you're we- right. You're right in what you're saying there, Mike. The only way, thing that I'll say on that is we've got an owner that will not give us hundreds of millions of pounds that he's got sitting in the bank. And the reason that I say this is because I'm being told quite reliably that we are quite skint financially. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. Uh, I believe we have some problems financially, uh, as does another club not quite near nearby us that have also got some financial issues that we don't like so much. Um, so I, that's well, they were always going to have those with the stadium. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the problem we've got. So if it is going to get to the stage that we have to sell Bellerin, who I'm hearing has been put on the transfer list, uh, Guendouzi, uh, if it is have to be Lacazette or Torreira, whoever it is, then it doesn't mean we're not going to get players in. But I just think we have to shift those out before we buy any more. So, That's so are, we in, are, are we in a worse state now under Mikel Arteta with regards to having to uh, raise capital and be in this self-sustaining model than we were when Wenger moved us from Highbury to uh, to the Emirates? Who wants to come back on that? And Trev, do you want to do you want to listen? Come back? Listen, right? Listen. We, we moved, firstly, we moved from Ivory on a promise that never developed, right? It wasn't just about money. It was about promises to, to people and, and, and commitments to us being, to continue to be successful. And we've not done that. But as for the transfers, you see, I, me and Dan, Dan knows we differ slightly on this because Kronkies have, Kronkies have, you know, wherever the money's come from, we have bought players, but we're bad players, right? We bought bad players, and now, and now, not only have we bought bad players, we bought players that we can't now bloody sell because they're not very good, you know. So we can't get rid of them again. I, I like what's happening in the transfer market. We've all been saying for years we need centre halves, and we had this horrible trend of buying small centre halves, right? And now we've gone reverse. We've gone the other way now. We just mentioned six foot two, six foot three, six foot four. I think we've done that. We, 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 we've, we've done the centre-half buying. We've got plenty. I can understand why Louise is staying. Although, the, for me, when we played a back three last year towards the end of the season, the best player in the back three by far was Tierney. You know, so it's interesting that. But what worries me greatly now is that we've got a lot of inexperience in that back line now. We may have better players but we've got a lot less experience. So, as, as I think Mike just said, Louise could become very important when we're blooding these defenders into the side. I want to, I still want to see a midfielder come in. I want to see a commanding midfielder come in. And then I think I'm happy, really. Um, we have got to sell players, and we've got to sell a few players. But who's going to buy them? I mean, they've, they've said that Ainsley Maitland-Niles will go. Of course, Ainsley Maitland-Niles will go. He's a, he's a, he's a good young prospect. You know, I don't want to sell Maitland-Niles. 
Um, how much? How much? How much is Maitland Niles worth in your view? We've had a fifteen million pound bid from Wolves. Uh, the club have rejected Double it. Double it. Double it. I'd said at least twenty-five. Dan, I would at least 25. twenty-five to thirty. It would would get it done probably. If, if Dominic Solanke is twenty million for Bournemouth, if Dominic Solanke is twenty, then the Maitland Niles is thirty. Trust if me. If Harry Maguire is eighty, then there Maitland Niles go. is one hundred and eighty. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about these names? Have I run these names past you? Um, from la- coming back in from last summer's uh, top ten, uh, we got uh, Wilfred Zaha. What's the? He'd be an awful lot cheaper this time round. Trev, do you, would you have Zaha? Tell me where Zaha fits in our team. It's Tell another me winger. We've got Saka. We've got Pepe. We've got Albamiang. We've got the other young lads. We've got the Nelson. We've got Willow. Where does Zaha fit in our team? I don't want to see any more attacking players yet. I'm happy we score plenty of goals. I, I don't want to. No, Zaha, not for me. Not for me. Specifically, not good player. Good player, but not for me. Mike Coutinho. What's the. That, that's never going to happen. I, I, I don't. I don't believe that at all and and um you know again Coutinho he's an interesting one he's he's clearly still still got it I don't I I don't know why people are so against signing him from a quality standpoint but again I I just I I really especially assuming that we hold on to Aubameyang which seems done but I mean (laughs) There might be a, an open spot at Barcelona now that he might fancy being the, the 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 center of the of the new Barcelona, perhaps. But assuming that happens, I really don't think that we need more attacking play. Um, and you know, Coutinho is a quality, but we've got people who I mean, we we have youth now. They're they're no by no means established, but Saka can play in a similar role. Um, Mill Smith Rose supposed to be making the jump this year, and and at some areas of the team, we have to be willing to give inexperienced players a chance. And uh, and I just don't know that Coutinho would be the right move. I, would I would I cry about it if it happened? Absolutely not. But we've got to figure out a way of getting all these guys into the club, and and I think a much bigger priority than a Coutinho would be, and certainly than Zaha would be, is somebody in that midfield uh, deep lying role that can. I was going to come to you on that position, Dan, uh, and also linking on from what uh, Mike has said, to allow inexperience and youth in there, you need to have stability right in the centre. Uh, do we have that with Shaka? Do we have that with Torreira, Guendouzi, whatever partnership you've got in there with Shaka? Um, would party, would, is it Aurora? Is that the, the other guy that they're talking about? Uh, oh, Hosam, Hosam, oh, yeah, oh, wow. I think... Hosamoar is more of a yeah. Hosamoar is yeah. is the player that would excite me the most if we were to get him, but I think that's unrealistic. I think we've got more chance of signing Coutinho than Oar. If I'm honest with you, I think Oar, if he doesn't stay, he'll go somewhere like Bayern Munich, Juventus, Man City. He's that good. This guy looks like everybody wants him. Uh, there's rumours we offered Guendouzi and some money, and it was just laughed at um, because this guy's going to cost eighty million plus. So I think that's a no. But great, great player and one that everybody will want. In terms of party, with I'm with Mike. I think 45 million, that's an absolute bargain. If we can't afford 45 million, I worry for Arsenal's future. I really do. If we can't release that clause at 45 million and then we are that skint, then yeah, it is worrying. Why is nobody else doing it though? Why has no one else done it? 
at this point. Yeah. I'm sure, surely there are a lot of other teams that need someone in that position, and and the only being linked with is Arsenal. Mm, uh, that 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 is a great point, and I think Atletico Madrid are trying to apparently get him into a contract. And if he signs that extension, the release clause will be ridiculous, and we definitely won't get him. So it's now is the time to go and get or teams to go and get him. He would that improve Arsenal too. That that might be Partey's ultimate play here is to is to show some interest in Arsenal and uh, and leverage exactly. that to get a better contract at, at Madrid. I was hearing today that it's dead in the water now and it's not looking likely and we've moved in for Samare from Lille. I don't know how true that is, but obviously party is someone I would like to see. We need people. Look at the, just put just just lastly on this in midfield, right? Look at what we have to pick from going into this game. I spoke to Harry earlier. He reckons the partnership going into this game on Saturday will be Chaka and Elneny. That's how bad it is. Because we have no Sabios. El Nenny is uh, El Nenny is the new Partey. We don't need Partey. We have El Nenny back, and <laughs> and he's 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 averaging a goal a game. I, What's I, happening I, with Sabios, boys? What's happening with Sabios? I've not heard. They've rejected. About. They rejected the the first bid we made, which was like a silly bid of a loan and some form of um, kind of twenty million buy on at the end of the season. I really want the guy back because I think he's been great. Um, we certainly are weak in that midfield, though. Granite Chaka is not. He should not be our best midfielder, but he is. And that's worrying for me. Midfield is extremely worrying. But we'll get it sorted. It's just going to take time. Dan, I know we can say about all the players, right? I know we can say about all the players. But for me, I don't know about you, Mikey, but it'd be interesting. Sabios was one of them that improved the most when Arteta came in. I could see 100%. a massive improvement in the boy. I was so pleased with the way he played, you know. And, and just moving on from that, while we're talking about transfers, Fergus... You, you're in the know. You're always, you're always in the know, mate. When's Messi signing then? When is, is it long <laughs> off? Is it far off? You'll have to ask your Man City contacts. Yeah, he's um, already, do, he's already doing keepy uppies in the in the in the Etihad Stadium. That one went. They got that one over the line in one day. We're still waiting to announce Santi Cazorla's first signing with us. Uh, <laughs> so you know, it, it's. Well, uh, apparently we offered uh, we offered Barcelona Guendouzi in a pound, but they said no. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, don't bring that one up again. So, Bamyang, we 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 all believe uh, that this deal is done. Uh, I'm been led to believe, and Dan, you probably have will have heard the same uh, stuff uh, that uh, the the contract he's been offered um, is a massive contract, um, and the, the wages that he will command will be greater than, than uh, our Turkish-German friend is currently getting. Which, how will people feel about that when people have bitched and moaned about Ozil? You know, he gets 350 grand a week. What happens if um, Aubameyang gets offered 360 grand a week? Huge difference. Down? Huge difference, mate. One of them gives a damn, the other one doesn't. The one is performing, the other one doesn't. If you're scoring 30 goals a season consistently, you deserve to be the highest paid player at our, at our club. When you are waltzing around the pitch doing the very bare minimum, moaning about everything, putting on weight from what we hear is body fat's 23% compared to everybody else's who's 7%. And then you look at it and think to yourself, what else does he bring? His PR stunts. He's on Instagram to then everyone he's ready to play. So much negative stuff comes with this guy and that's why people get frustrated by him, not by how much he's on. I think people would all sit there and say that Aubameyang deserves to be the highest paid player at the club because he gives us the points that he does week in, week out. So I don't think anyone will have a problem with him getting the money that he is because I think he deserves it. Hmm. Fergus, we did this, didn't we? We did this a couple of weeks ago, mate. 
and it's it's easy. Dan's nailed it down there. It's easy to sum up the difference. We're, we're giving a massive contract to Aubameyang, a player who has run his socks off for us, who has performed for us, who has scored lots of goals for us, and gives us effort every game. When we gave Mesut Ozil his contract, he was he already wasn't really interested. You know, this is what baffles me greatly. We gave him a massive contract and he wasn't playing that well at the time. He hadn't earned the right to that contract, in my view, you know. And and I desperately want Mesut Ozil to play well. Every game he turns out, I stand there in hope, thinking, come on, Mesut, give us a performance. Do it for us, son. Make it look like you're making an effort. We don't get that and we've not had it for a long time. You know, so Ozil's, it's easy to see why the, what the differences are. Ozil's contract came from the exact same thing that Theo Walcott's can't, contract when he got 140 came from, which was a desperate need for us not to continue to uh, look too scared to hold on to our own players. Um, Ozil's contract was a direct response to Alexis stropping his way out of the club. Um, <laughs> and and frankly, people liked it at the time. Not everybody, because you already had your people lined up against Ozil at the time, but it was, okay, well, we're not going to lose Ozil and Sanchez on freeze. We've gotten something out of Sanchez. Um, that's something we didn't really realize. I mean, we had one good game for us, I think. Um, and then we've, you know, we've, we've locked on to our talisman for the next three years. And that went very quickly south, um, and we couldn't get out of it. But, you know, yeah. w- when Theo Walcott signed that contract, he was, at the moment, our best attacking player, and we had just gotten rid of, I, I, I'm I, not sure, I, the time I, I, but I standing Sing and sign the ting, Theo. Theo signed the yeah. ting. I mean, um, we, 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 Van Persie had gone, and so Walcott was our future, and we needed him to sign, or otherwise we were we were back to square one. We, you know, we, we might have had to promote some guy named Serge Gnabry to our front line. It was, it was that bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the, the, the finances worked on the on the on the Walcott thing to buy a player of his ability, even as good as he hasn't been uh, to buy a player of his ability with the English tax on top of the other people talk about, uh, we would have had to sign the 25 million that we gave him in his contract. Um, yeah. And on the Ozil thing, uh, it was a choice of a snake in the grass or a Turkish German guy. And we opted for the Turkish German guy. Um, you know, yeah, the, the, the sad thing is he just, he just didn't live up to it. Guys, we're nearly at the end here. I've got to, uh, um, rush and I know some of uh, the rest of us have got commitments to do um, Dan uh, thank you very much for joining us as always um, and Thanks, Trevor, Trevor good to see you mate nice new camera nice new shirt you know that worked I, well. I was on mute boy mute boys sorry interesting chat today enjoyed it nice talking to you Mike and as always Dan yeah good good and he lastly, up, lastly, um, uh, Mike, uh, if you want to do a last plug, I've got your website at the bottom, www.goonersvscancer.com. Give it a last plug, and then we'll take it from there. Thank you, guys. Always a pleasure to uh, to chat with you guys, whether we're on film or not, um, or on camera or not. But uh, go to goonersvscancer.com. I believe you can also go to goonersvcancer.com. If you, re- if, you, if you hate the fact that I put the S in there, uh, you can actually just take the S out, and it will take you to the same donation site. But uh, uh, after the, the FIFA tournament starts, we're going to have a, a load of incredible prizes that you can go onto a raffle and try to get. 
Uh, so every time, again, every time you donate, you're getting something for that. The most interesting one that I can tell you about right now is a, a, a tour of the Emirates led by Perry Groves, followed by pints with Perry Groves uh, near the stadium. Um, he's committed to that. We're going to have legend signed shirts, a bunch of stuff that's going to be for auction. So anytime you donate, you're going to have a chance to win. I'm so glad it's not Lee Judges because at least there would be pints and not half pints. Yes, Guys, no, Lee, Lee Judges, you would get the half pint. It's only <laughs> half, half a prize. Guys, you've been brilliant. You have been watching Guns and Yellow Ribbons, an Arsenal podcast by Arsenal fans for Arsenal fans. If you like the show, remember if you're watching on YouTube, click on the bell and subscribe. Uh, follow us on Facebook, Guns and Yellow Ribbons. Yeah, that bell. Um, and uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Guns and Ribbons. I've been Fergus. I've been your host, Trevor, Dan, and Mike. Thanks very much. Any one last thing to say? Up the yard. Up the yard. Thanks for listening to Guns and Yellow Ribbons, an Arsenal podcast by Arsenal fans for Arsenal fans. Follow us on Facebook at Guns and Yellow Ribbons or Twitter at Guns and Ribbons. And remember to rate and review us too.